Thank you, Walter. Thank you, Allison. Was that uh, the interlude? Was that, um, what song was that? Okay. Sounded like Danny Boy. That's okay. Yeah. Say, that was, uh, yeah, in, in my head, I was, you know, oh, Danny Boy. Anyway, I was like, I, I wonder how is that? I couldn't remember that being a, a spiritual song, but whatever. It's okay. Uh, anywho. And then, it, and then it sounded like something, it sounded like something else. Anyway, whatever. All right. Sorry. We're in Ephesians chapter 2. We're in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and so, I don't know if you recall this, but um, before, a uh, couple of times I've been up in front of you, obviously, uh, Brother Bryce is not here today. He had a conference over the weekend, um, and they're traveling back today, I believe. Um, but anyway, so any chance I had uh, to be before you, we went ahead and we said we were just going to kind of work our way through the book of Ephesians, um, and we are so far uh, in the last half of chapter 2. And last time we actually did these verses and we kind of went through specifically uh, verse by verse. But this time, um, I want to kind of use this uh, chapter, this half of the chapter, as kind of a, uh, a starting point to try to kind of bring uh, together for you maybe uh, a, little, a few little pictures um, of Christ and what He has done for us. And in this, and I'll explain in just a minute, but before we get to that, Ephesians 1 and 2, (laughs) cute little babies, anyway, Ephesians 1 and 2 uh, talks about the work of God in our lives, where God chooses us, He saves us, He equips us with His truth, um, and the hope, even when we were dead in sin, right, that's Ephesians 2, 1, even when we were dead in sin, when we are enemies of God, God still makes us alive together with Christ. Right? And then in, chapter, in the second half of the chapter, he talks about, this is going to be kind of our little theme, um, he talks about drawing us near. So making us alive and drawing us near to himself. Um, and so this is kind of what we're going to do. We're going to explore this idea of what it means to be far off, the far off being brought near. That's the idea. And this is uh, verse 13 of chapter 2 is going to be kind of, you could say the theme verse, uh, but we're going to pop in uh, to Ephesians 2 a good bit. But verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. All right, so we're going to look at that verse, and I'm going to go through back in the Scriptures, and we're going to look at some pictures of what it means to be far off and how Jesus brings us near. What it means to be far off and how Jesus brings us near. And so three pictures from Scripture that popped into my head um, as I was studying this was, number one, the picture of the ark and the flood, the flood and the ark. All right, so we're going to look at that. Uh, Number two is Mount Sinai when the Ten Commandments were given. And then number three is the Garden of Eden um, right at the beginning of Genesis, you know, chapter three. Um, After sin and all that, we'll get to that in a minute. So we're going to look at these three pictures, the ark, Mount Sinai, and then the Garden of Eden. And we're going to kind of explore this theme, this picture, this idea of being far off and Jesus bringing us near. Okay, so I'm going to be kind of all over the place scripturally, 
but you can remain in Ephesians 2 because we're going to come jump back to this Ephesians 2 quite often. All right, and I read it completely um, a moment ago, but we are going to come back and look at a couple of verses. So verse 12, um, we're going to start with that one, verse 12. And this is kind of, um, I'll, I'll kind of tell you the, where I got this picture from, or at least what reminded me of um, these pictures. So number one, we're going to look at the ark, but this comes from Ephesians 2, verse 12, okay? Ephesians 2, verse 12 says this, remember that at one time, or remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Having no hope without God in the world. All right, so think about this far off and draw near picture, right? So when I read that part where it says no hope without God in the world, right, being far off, no hope, what instantly came to my mind was the story of the flood, right? The flood in the ark. And I'm going to turn to Genesis 6, and I'm just going to read you a couple of portions of this, and we're going to kind of explore what does it mean to be far off, and how does Jesus bring us near? All right, so in uh, Genesis chapter 6, and you all know this story, um, well, probably know this story really well, so we're not going to get too deep into it, but I just want to get, again, just drive this picture home, being far off, brought near. Um, by Christ. So, um, so think about this no hope portion right now. Think about this no hope as I read these verses. Um, so chapter 6, uh, verse, starting in verse 11, says this, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw, that the, earth, God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their ways on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. All right, so think about if you are obviously anybody but Noah, all right, or his three sons and their wives, if you are anybody but Noah, and uh, God tells Noah, okay, build an ark, all right, and it's kind of estimated it maybe have taken Noah about 75 to 100 years to build this ark. So Noah here has this promise that um, I'm going to destroy the earth. God says I'm going to destroy the earth with the earth. And Noah, I want you to build an ark, and I'm going to save you and your family. All right? Now think about if you are outside this family, okay? You've never seen it rain before. You've never even seen... Like, you know, a river has never raised, it's never flooded, anything like that. And you're looking at this guy building this big boat, right? What are you thinking? Like, this guy is losing it, right? Just put it nicely. Um, he's crazy. Building this huge boat, it's never rained. What's going on? And all the meanwhile, what does Noah might be saying to these people? Hey, there's a flood coming. We're building this boat to prepare. There's a flood coming. You need to prepare. There's a flood coming. All right, this is what Hebrews talks about, how Noah actually preached the gospel to these people, right? There is salvation. It's through this ark. You just have to believe that this judgment's coming. They're all, they didn't believe. They didn't believe. And then we skip forward to chapter 7, verse 15 and 16, and it says this. 
Then they went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, uh, in which was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded them, and the Lord shut him in. The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased, bore up the ark, and rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. So this idea, they get onto the ark, right? And this is part of God's commandment. He tells them, build the ark this big, this wide, this tall, put a little roof in it, and then put this door on the side. Put this door on the side. And so they have this door, and they all go walking in, and Noah, and then it just says right there how God shuts them in. God closes the door, right? Now imagine you're outside this door, right? Looking at, maybe even you're close by and you're looking at them and going, ah, they, we weird people shutting themselves in in this weird boat looking thing. And then all of a sudden, as it describes, the fountains of the earth open, explode. Rain starts pouring down, right? Imagine what you would do if you were outside that ark and all of a sudden it started raining. And not raining, but raining violently. Earth exploding forth water. Where are you headed? I'm either running to the highest mountain I can find, or I am running to that ark, and I'm banging on that door. Let me in, let me in, right? But who shut the door? God shut the door. It's too late. The judgment has come. The door has been shut. The sin of the world has brought forth, or God brought it, right, because of sin, has flooded the earth. Judgment has come, and you're banging on the outside of that door, and you can't get in. This is what it means to be far off. This is the picture that God gives us. To be far off, we are drowning in this flood, and we can't get in. It even describes that the flood goes high above the tallest mountain, so the people climbing to the top didn't even make it. All life that was on the earth, that had the breath of life in it, was destroyed. This is what it's like to be dead in sin, to be far off, to literally be drowned by that flood. All right, so fast forward 2,000 years-ish, 2,000-ish years, right? And then in comes this other guy, this guy named John, who's uh, out in the wilderness baptizing all the people, all these people, and he's called John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, right? And he comes and he starts preaching another uh, another not story per se, but he starts preaching something about, hey, here comes this next guy, the Savior of the world, Christ is coming, and he's going to baptize you with water, or excuse me, not with water this time, but with the Spirit and with fire. What? Yeah, he's going to baptize with Spirit and with fire. If you don't get the Spirit, guess what you're getting? Fire. To escape the fire, you need the Spirit. Jesus is coming, right? Someone is coming. This is uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 15 through 17. And I forgot to mark that one. But anyway, get to it quickly. Sorry. Luke chapter 3, 15 through 17. Here's what he says. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them. He answered them all, says, I baptize you with water, 
but he who is mightier than I is coming, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor, to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. You get the picture there? Same, same kind of thing. Noah was out preaching judgment. Hey, water is coming. You got to get on this ark to survive. There is salvation. Now John's coming again. Judgment is coming. There is one coming mightier than I who is going to gather the wheat and he's going to burn the chaff. Right? He is baptizing with the Spirit and with fire. The world is going to be cleansed again either with the Spirit or with fire. What's going on? And all the people come up to John and they ask, what must I do? What must I do to escape this judgment? All right, and we get the answer. Do you remember what John's purpose was? He was to prepare the way for Christ, right? He was to prepare the way, and this is what he was doing. He's preaching, this judgment is coming, and this one coming after me is the one who's going to save. Listen to him. And so what does Jesus say about this? What does Jesus say about this? Matthew chapter 7. Told you I'd be all over the place. All right, this is just point one, right? Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says this. In um, verse 7, chapter 7, verse 7, he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask? Do you see the picture? Everyone who knocks, the door will be open this time. Right? Think about it. The, the picture of the flood we had a minute ago, right? The judgment's coming. God shut the door. Everybody out is gone, far off now. But Jesus is saying there's another judgment coming. What do we have to do? Just knock on that door and I'll open it. I'm there. Just knock. The door will be opened. The door will be opened. What does this mean? This means that salvation is possible, right? Salvation is possible. Last time that door was shut, those people who knocked couldn't get in. Jesus is saying, you can knock and I'll open this time. This time. <laughs> I will open, right? Jesus makes it possible to open the door. So sin separates us from God. It brings judgment and it leaves us hopeless, just like the people in the water who drowned. But by the blood of Jesus, we can be saved from the wrath of God, right? This is Ephesians 2.12, right? We're back in there. That's what that says. We were hopeless without God. And then verse 13, but we have been brought near by the blood of Christ, right? This is what Jesus does. We were hopeless, but he can bring us hope. He can give us hope. We can be saved from that wrath. Just knock on the door and he'll open so picture number two, Mount Sinai, okay? Remember, that's draw off, or far off, brought near, right? So picture number two is Mount Sinai, and this is kind of where I thought of this. Uh, back in Ephesians 2, verse 15 and 16, it says, 
let's see, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now, specifically, Paul is talking about uh, the ceremonial law, like all the uh, sacrifices and all the, um, the temple worship and stuff like that, how that Christ has abolished that law, so now Jew and Gentile are saved by one person, one in Christ. And so it just got me started to think about the law itself, right? The law itself, how um, the law, when we sin, we break God's commandment. It brings this hostility. It brings this separation. But then Jesus says, right, in Ephesians 2, he says, but he brings us near. And so this picture uh, found in Exodus chapter 19 this time, Exodus 19, we have the picture of the first giving of the law, the Ten Commandments. And I just want you to kind of visualize this here. Visualize this far-off picture, right? Think about it. Um, verse 19, chapter 19, verse 16 says this. On the morning of the third day, uh, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought all the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on the mountain to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up, and he said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to look, and many of them perish. Right? Do you see the picture? All right, skipping forward a little bit, let's see how they reacted. Um, this is, let's see, this is verse, chapter 20, verse 18. Now when all the people saw the thunders and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off. You get the picture? God coming down on this mountain, the mountain smoking on fire, thunder, lightning, all this terrible earthquake trembling, right? What is going on here? God is giving them a picture. The whole nation, a sinful nation coming before a holy God and they can't even approach the foot of the mountain, or they're going to die. Man, what is that? Do you see that separation? Do you see what it means to be far off? We can't even touch the base of the mountain that he's on, because he is holy, and we are not. The separation. The people are afraid, right? They're afraid because they're sinners in the sight of a holy God, and their sin keeps them separated. So, fast forward again, about 1,500 years this time, and there's another mountain experience. There's another mountain. All right, this is Matthew chapter 5, another mountaintop, and just look at the, think about the differences, okay? God is setting up, in Exodus chapter 19, 20, God is about to set up his nation of Israel and give them the law. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus comes, and he is about to give the kingdom law sermon. 
basically setting up the kingdom of God uh, according to Jesus. So we just saw the kingdom, or excuse me, the earthly kingdom, right? The nation of Israel being started, and now Jesus coming to another mountain. Look at the difference. Chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, right? God on top of a mountain again. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. You see the difference? You see that? Before, the mountain was on fire and you couldn't even approach it or you'd die. But now Jesus is on top of the mountain and they came to him. And not only that, but he spoke to them and taught them the two different mountain experiences. One, we were far off because of our sin, but then Jesus comes and he can bring us near because of what he's about to do, right? Is it the same God on top of Mount Sinai as on, on top of the mountain in Jerusalem? It's the exact same God. But Jesus knows, and Jesus is about to accomplish for us, he's about to give his blood to bring us near. He knows that's what's about to happen. That's what he's about to do. That's why he is there. Verse 17. Thank you for reminding me. I forgot to silence my own phone here. Let's, ooh, that would have been bad. I even said that in Sunday school. Ooh, I need to silence that before I get up there. Anyway. Um, let's see. Um, so in Matthew 5, verse 17, Jesus even says, I came to fulfill the law. I came to fulfill the law. When God gave the law in the Old Testament, right, Mount, he knew, right, everybody knew that they had broken the law, and this was the whole point. God came down and gave this huge show, and Moses even says, he's come down to test you so that you may not sin. He's doing this all to test you so that you may not sin. And so Jesus comes and he now says, I have fulfilled the law. You trust in me, you can come to me because I've done it for you. Right, Matthew 11, verse, 20, verse 28, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Think about the difference. God up on top, giving the law, saying you can't come because of your sin. Now Jesus, on the top of the mountain, come to me, I will give you rest. What an amazing picture for us. The sin that separates us. Yet it's the blood of Christ that draws us near. Our sin against God has created hostility and separation, but Jesus, by his obedience, up on the mountain, we can meet God. And that's what Ephesians 2 says, he has made peace, killing the hostility. He has made peace. All right, so picture number three. That was two. Picture number three. Garden of Eden. This is a good one. I mean, they're all good, right? They're all good. But Garden of Eden. All right, so first of all, we were far off. Sin in the flood, drowned, right? But Jesus says, knock and the door will be open. I'll bring you in to that ark and save you, right? We are separated because we break God's law, right? We can't even approach because he's dead. But then he says, Jesus says, you can come to me and I will give you rest because of what I've done. And so now we get to the same picture far off, being brought near, but we go all the way back to the very beginning, to the very first time we were kicked out, right? Genesis chapter 3, 
verse 22 and 24. Genesis 3, 22 and 24. Then the Lord said, this is after Adam and Eve sinned, right? Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim with a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the entrance to the tree of life. To guard the entrance from the tree of life. So because of our sin, what happened? Right? The way to the garden was blocked. Right? We were kicked out. The way was blocked. Adam and Eve believed the lie instead of the truth. So they got kicked out. They believed the lie of Satan. And so ultimately, access to eternal life was gone. We lost life. Sin comes death, right? But we couldn't get to that tree of life anymore. So the way is blocked. We believe the lie. And we don't have life. Now there's death. But this time, we fast forward again, right? 4,000-ish years from the garden all the way to Jesus again. And what does John chapter 14, verse 6, you might know this one, what does Jesus say this time? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see the picture there? We were kicked out. The way was blocked because we believed the lie and we do not have life anymore. Now there's death. And Jesus says, no, I am the way. I get you back in. I am the truth. Don't believe the lie. Believe me. I can give you life, just like we lost in the garden. And Jesus said that. So as this great picture, this is the end of the entire book, the entire Bible, right? Revelation chapter 22. All right, Jesus, or excuse me, Jesus gives John this little picture. He lets him see this ultimate reality that we have, right? We've been kicked out. John himself has been saved, and John gets to see the future, what's waiting for him. He gets to see the ultimate being of drawn near. This is Revelation 22, verse 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. This is, this is truly incredible. That picture right there, think about, now back in Ephesians, really quickly, and then we'll talk about that, but back in Ephesians, this is what it says. Ephesians 2 verse 19 says, So you are no longer strangers and aliens, 
but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Think about that. We're no longer strangers, right? We're no longer far off, but we are citizens of the household of God. We've been brought near. And this is what John gets to see. He gets to see the end. He gets to see what it looks like to be finally brought near to Christ. We get to see him face to face, right? We get to enjoy the fruit of the tree of life, eternal life forever. We get to be there with him in heaven forever. That's the, um, the end, the ultimate, right? That's our future physical reality. Right now, for us currently, it's a spiritual reality, right? We're still in this world. We still have this body. But spiritually, if we have been saved, this is what God has promised in Ephesians 2. He said, you have been brought near. You were once far off, but you have been brought near. You have this spiritual reality of being close and near to Christ. That is your reality right now with the physical coming soon, right? Revelation 22, we will get to experience that physically soon. But right now, we get to experience it spiritually in this world, all right? There's one more picture, all right? Um, one more picture that says, not necessarily in the scriptures, but it's kind of in there. But since it's Mother's Day, right, we've got to plug in a little mom picture uh, but my, my children, I don't know if all children are like this, I assume they are, but my children especially, typically when they get hurt, they don't come running to me, right? They don't come running to me. When Luke gets hurt, little boy, three-year-old, you know, what do I tell him? I tell him, man up, three-year-old, come on, let's go, you know? That's not, you know, that's not exactly what the three-year-old's looking for at that point in time, right? So when they get hurt, they run to mommy, Right? And what does she do? She picks them up and draws them near, right? And what do, they, what do they get from that? You know, does that magically make the pain go away? It almost seems like it does. But there's the spiritual connection between the two, right? I mean, you know, the, the mothers, y'all know this. The, you've, uh, everybody here's had a mother, right? So you've uh, run, maybe, perhaps. I don't know. You've experienced this. But I just watched this with my kids, Watch this with my own. And they share a relationship that I will never get to share with them. Our relationship's a little different, right? And that's fine because my wife will never get to experience that, right? Um, anyway, okay. I was going to tell a story, but I won't tell that one. Good one. Okay. Anywho, about something that the, the men get to experience with their kids. Anyway, y'all can ask me privately and I'll tell you about it. Anyway, um, where was I? Yes, experience. Anyway. But uh, wife and child, right? Mother and child. That's a spiritual connection that they have, right? The spiritual connection between the child and the mother that is the picture, the great picture for us of what it means when Christ pulls us near, right? When Christ pulls us near. Think about it. We've been hurt by sin or by the concrete pad after falling off the bike, right? We've got a scrape. We've got a boo-boo now. And what did the kid do? Comes running to mom. Mom holds them near, right? I say toughen up, you know, rub some dirt on it or something like that. But mom holds them near. And she loves, and that spiritual connection between the two, I can't really explain it, but somehow the kid's back on the bike, riding, ready to go again after a few minutes, right? And if I tried to do it, they'd just be screaming at me the whole time. But anyway, I don't, I just, I still don't get it. I don't understand. 
that, but there is that spiritual connection between the two. And this is what Christ is telling us, that there is that spiritual connection between you and him, right? When we get the boo-boos in life, right? When we are, um, you were once far off, right? Just as a child runs to mom and she brings that child near, we're to run to Jesus and he'll bring us near, right? And he'll save our souls. There's one more verse. One more verse. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. All right, very famous verse. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. That's verse 14, but verse 15 is interesting. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child. What's the picture? It's that very thing. As a child runs up to mom and knows that mom's going to scoop him up and bring him near. So we run to Christ knowing that we're going to be scooped up. We're going to be brought near. And everything, right, somehow, right, mom makes everything better, right? But eventually, we just read that in 20... In, Revelation 22, Jesus is going to keep us safe. Jesus is going to give us the hope that we didn't have before, right? Like outside the ark. He's going to give us that hope. He's going to bring us close to God where we were once separated, right? And then finally, we're going to have that physical life with him one day. He is going to bring us near. So Ephesians 2, 13, but now in Christ... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What a wonderful truth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your work. Lord, you came to this world and you lived the life that we could not. You were perfect. You were blameless. You were the sacrifice. You gave yourself up so that we could have life. Lord Jesus, may we run to you. We know that we have been hurt. We have been separated from you by sin. But Lord, through your work, through your obedience, through your death and now your life, Lord, we can be drawn near. Lord, help us to run to you. Help us to knock on the door. Help us to run. As a mother runs to her child, or excuse me, other way around. As a child runs to the mother, Lord, help us to run to you. Bring us near, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you have one more song?